Welcome to the Law of Startups Podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I'm Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us. Today, we're lucky to have on the show Rahul Sood, the CEO and founder of Unicorn. Rahul, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. For sure. Hey, for those of folks in the world who don't know the company Unicorn, and by the way, uh, the, the audience this is spelled with a K, U-N-I-K-R-N. Tell us, Rahul, tell the audience about, about, about Unicorn. Sure. Um, well, you know, I've, I've been a, a gamer for a long time. I play video games. My first company was a, a video game company that I sold to HP, and um, and uh, I've been, you know, watching the space for years, and I still play games to this day. And and Unicorn is uh, is a is an esports company uh, that's built on the the most cutting edge betting and blockchain technology on earth. So we sort of sit at the intersection of. Um, uh, video games and and uh, legal betting. Yeah, that's that's it's really spectacular. So the esports category is one that I think um, a lot of people um, were really. I mean, when they focus on it for the first time, they're really surprised at how monstrous it is because they just. It's sort of. I think it, it probably. I'm sure it didn't sneak up on you, but I, I think a lot of people are astounded to learn the numbers of people <laughs> who yeah. watch the esports events. <clears throat> yeah, it's true. It's actually funny that you say you know sneak up because. Uh, it actually, you know, it kind of snuck up on Microsoft, even though, uh, you know, there's hundreds of millions of people who watch esports and like there's hundreds of millions of fans. It's the fastest growing sport in the world. And most of it is built on Microsoft technology. <laughs> so, you know, when I started Unicorn in 2014, I think there was like one person at Microsoft who knew what it was. Um, and, and that quickly changed. So it's pretty interesting. Microsoft technology, meaning that the games all run on Windows, or at least that's yeah, the primary yeah, like platform. It, it, it's, yeah, it's primarily on Windows, and then it's and then you know people play like competitive on Xbox and things like that. But it's it's Windows mostly. It's like, and it's one of the things that actually drives people to buy faster, better PCs. Like, you know, there aren't a whole lot of reasons to buy a cutting edge PC unless you're doing like you know video video uh, work or or you know high end graphics. But like the games are kind of what drives the. I would think that would, they would pay attention to that because of the, uh, the the demand it creates for like high-end machines. Correct, correct. It's exactly right. I, I think that um, uh, not only does it create you know demand for high-end machines, but it also creates demand for uh, for you know high-end video cards and things like that as well. So um, I mean, I mean, you, you know, there, there's really two two industries that that sort of push the the hardware cutting edge. Um, one of them is gaming, and the other one is adult entertainment. So it's uh, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible what, what's happened in the last couple of years in this space. So, yeah. Let's do the, uh, the sort of the state of the union kind of recap of like where the, the esports industry is. Because every time for, for people that don't watch esports as like um, the way they would like a regular sports uh, uh, game, like I think it's always, like Joe said, surprising to hear the size of the numbers, the people that show up for the, the championships or the number of people that tune in. And every time I talk with somebody about esports, I, I get some kind of interesting statistics about the numbers being r- rivaling some of the largest events. I'm, I'm just curious to know, it's probably been a good year since I've heard anything um, recent, I mean, is, are things still growing? Is it still getting bigger? What's the current state of the of the industry look like? Oh man, it's it's definitely growing. I mean, I mean, you know, the, the best way to to really parallel is just to look at uh, traditional sports. Um, you know, take take PGA golf for example. The PGA Tour, the average fan is about seventy years old right now, uh, and. I'll be careful now. Be careful now. <laughs> and, 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 and and Major League Baseball, um, Major League Baseball average fan is uh, 55 years old. So, 
you know, it, look, at the end of the day, um, esports starts at a very young age and it continues to grow because the audience is growing in both directions. And um, every day, you know, um, a Major League Baseball fan and a PGA Tour fan dies and, you know, four esports fans are born. So the reality is the reality. Uh, traditional sports will be less relevant in the future and esports will continue to grow. So what does that look like these days? So if somebody is into esports, what are they watching? Are they are they still watching like the Dota uh, championship or what are the games that are that are uh, top of mind right now? And, and where where are the fans congregating? Yeah, so, so look, the, the, the top games are things like uh, Dota and Counter-Strike and League of Legends. Um, you know, there's other games that are emerging. Games like Fortnite are emerging and things like that. But, um, but you know, what, what it is is essentially uh, highly competitive video games with professional players who get paid millions of dollars. Um, and, and people watch this stuff because it's entertaining to watch, first of all. It's also fun to play. But if you if you are you know really hardcore into the game, and and you watch somebody play the game for hours at a time, and then and then you watch them competitively, um, it's uh, you know it, it it's it's very much like traditional sports, except uh, you know you, you have a more intimate relationship with the players and the teams, um, because you know there's things like Twitch out there where you can watch a, your your favorite professional player practice for six hours in the comfort of his or her own home. Um, and then, uh, and then you can just go load the game and play yourself. So it's a, it, it is a, it's a different it sort of interaction model than what we're used to. I mean, you know, in the past, people were used to, you know, uh, people watching TV and you know, viewing hours on television and things like that. It's not like that anymore. You know, these these kids don't watch TV. They they, they do it all online. They they, they stream it, um, and they uh, and they play it, and you know, they get engaged in the communities that way. And for us. Um, we, we, we create content, so, so we're very much part of the fabric of the esports community, which is, which is quite amazing. I mean, we only started in 2014, um, but we're, you know, we become integral part of, of, of the community. I mean, we create content, we create video and written content. We have our own tournament series, both online and offline. Uh, you know, for example, we run tournaments for the MGM Grand inside their casino every week. Um, we create odds that we that we uh, we have like a most comprehensive sports book for esports on earth that we license to betting operators you know around the world um, and then at the center oh yeah and then we also have team ownership so 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 we actually own a big stake in in uh, the hottest um, uh, esports team in Germany they're called BIG they're a CS:GO team and um, you know that may not sound like a lot to those listening but when you consider that one in five Germans watch esports, it's actually kind of a big deal. Um, and then on top of that, you know, everything revolves around this this coin we created two years ago called the Unicoin, um, where where people can play on our platform uh, regardless of of where they live. So, it's 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 a neat. So business. tell us about that. So tell us about the the, the sort of the the betting on games piece, and then how the uh, maybe they're, maybe they're two separate questions, but I'd love to hear more about how people bet on these games and what that landscape looks like, and then also more about the cryptocurrency piece. Um, are they are they are they linked together, or are they two separate well, questions? Well, no, it, it, it's sort of it's sort of, it's sort of linked. Um, so so l- l- let me l- let me start from the beginning. Um, Full disclosure: Joe is one of our lawyers, uh, and uh, you know he helped us get the company off the ground. Um, and you know he's been he's been more than just a fly on the wall in our company, so he knows exactly what's going on. But one of the things that we did when we first started 
was um, <clears throat> we, we wanted to create a legal, you know, uh, sports book and we wanted to work with regulators and teach them about esports because we knew that this space was sort of the wild west and there was a you know with the, without regulation you end up with a bunch of illicit activity that happens and there was a lot of illicit activity going on in the space so we created a uh, you know an integrity coalition for esports uh, and then we engage one of the one of the biggest betting operators uh, in the world who happens to be the largest in Australia and we showed them what we we're working on and they decided to invest in us. Now, what what Unicorn uh, has done in the past few years is we've obtained licenses. So we have we have a license in Australia, we have a license in Isle of Man, and we also have a license in Malta. And uh, you know we accept bets in in certain markets. Um, you know uh, up until recently we, we we were only accepting bets in two countries, but now that we got our Malta license, we'll expand across Europe soon. The challenge is that you know we only. Uh, you know, we're only working with fiat currency. So, you know, um, there's, a, there's a couple of challenges there. The first challenge is, you know, when you want to expand your business across 80% of Europe, dealing with multiple currencies uh, and multiple banks is kind of a nightmare. So, so that's one thing. Secondly, we have customers in, you know, places like Korea and China and the U.S. who want to play on our platform that can't necessarily do it because, you know, online betting is not legal in these in these uh, jurisdictions. I mean, in the U.S., it's it's uh, we're pretty sure that it's going to change. But regardless, we wanted to uh, create an opportunity for our customers or potential customers, fans to play on the platform. And then eventually we would we would uh, seek to obtain licenses in the most popular uh, jurisdictions. And um, <clears throat> so about two years ago, we created the Unicoin, which was a free token that people earn and they earn it by connecting their gaming accounts to our platform. They play games, they win Unicoins, they can use Unicoins in the raffles and all the other stuff that we do on our platform. And then they can actually bet with them as well uh, because there's no way to sort of, um, you know, trade them or sell them or anything like that. Um, and then, you know, about the same time, Mark Cuban, who's one of our investors, um, really wanted us to start looking at blockchain technology because we were having the issue of trying to expand our business across Europe and across the world and having to deal with multiple banks. So he, he just said, you should start looking at blockchain. It looks like it's, you know, probably the future of commerce. Um, we started to look into it two years ago and, and lo and behold, you know, when you, when you really uncover what blockchain can do for a regulated business like ours, when it comes to things like AML, you know, anti-money laundering and KYC and trust and transparency that, you know, we like with our customers, there is no better way to, uh, to build uh, a, our backend platform than on blockchain. So, so as we started to build on blockchain for our commerce platform, um, the Unicoins gained in popularity. The Unicoins were, were used, you know, all over the world. We had no idea how quickly they would grow and how popular they would get. Um, and as they gained in popularity, we started to use them to uh, improve the efficacy of our sports book and also test out new betting products. And then, um, and then you know, as, as, as our platform was built and ready to go, we started to pull our customers who were asking us for more usage for the Unicoin. They, they wanted to do more things with it. You know, and, and they wanted to be able to trade it for items and, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, so we decided to create Unicoin Gold and Unicoin Silver. And Unicoin Silver is our free token. Unicoin Gold is our, is our cryptocurrency. We had a sale last year. We sold 127 million tokens. Most of them went to customers. And, um, you know, we, we probably collected in the range of around 112,000 Ethereum. 
which is, you know, somewhere around, I don't know, $90 million or something like that now. Um, but but it was an it was an unbelievable thing for us. I mean, we 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 just our our company has completely you know blown up in the last year as a result. Yeah, it's fascinating. The uh, so let's talk about the this this idea. I mean, one, it's a genius idea in the sense that you're right. If you're trying to accept current you know multiple different currencies from all over the world, how do you even as a practical matter, how do you even do that? I mean, unless you're, I mean, it just seems like an administrative problem that. It's not solvable by a small company. Uh, yeah, I mean, but, but maybe, unless maybe. you're Microsoft, maybe, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. A small yeah. company can't do it. Yeah. But, what a, yeah, so what a great solution, the, the, the crypto token. So, and one cool thing about your token is that it's, it's, it's what I would call a consumptive token. I mean, it, you, you, can, you play the game with it. You consume it. You, you, it's something you gamble or bet with, right? I mean, so it's, it's a little different from a lot of the other crypto tokens out there, I think. Well, I mean, it's different in the sense that ours actually works today. And, and yeah. not, it's a thing. It actually works. Yeah, it's, it's a thing that actually works. And, it, it, you know, as funny as it sounds, that's the reality. If, if you look at the space, I mean, you know, Bitcoin exploded last year. Ethereum exploded. Um, people started to, you know, have all these token sales and ICOs. And, and, and you know, quite honestly, there's like 2,000 tokens out there. And most of them are you know, what I would call uh, shit coins, basically. Um, they, they don't do anything. And... Uh, and, and I think what's going to happen is through the through the just the simple uh, process of elimination, you're going to see a lot of these things disappear. So. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. The um, I mean, the amount of money that people are willing to invest in these um, these token offerings is amazing. And I think, you know, I think if, if, if someone if the audience, if, if, if once you but once you start buying and selling tokens, it is sort of. Um, it's kind of a, addictive, I think, is what you'd say. I mean, I think it's uh, it's addictive. It's, it's addictive right? if they're going up, right? Like you know, you it's there's something about buying something and then having th- you know a week later it's worth twice as much that causes you to kind of uh, get excited about something. But that only lasts, you know, that that's not necessarily scalable to all these different uh, coins. I would expect a lot of the reason that there's so much investment in all these different coins is that people have made money in ethereum and bitcoin and that they just they have some money to play with you know that's that's kind yeah. of how it's been for me um you know I, I uh i made money in bitcoin and then i put it into ethereum and then i made money in ethereum and then eventually moved much most of it into filecoin and um you know it's just kind of like uh parlaying to whatever you think the next stage of the rocket is um and and it, and it would never have happened if i hadn't a one the the first the first bet Right. There's just no way that I would randomly put a bunch of money into one of these things. But if you if you make a bunch of money on a particular investment, it makes it a lot easier to, to spread a bunch out to a bunch of these little small coins, which I don't I no, think I, I, I totally agree that they're almost all of them are probably going to go to zero. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. I, I think almost all of them will go to zero. Um, I think those that, you know, have real utility, real customers, real brand will end up being, you know, uh, will can have continued usage. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's, you know, that, that's the reality. I, I also am a big believer in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, you know, I, I still, I firmly believe Bitcoin is going to surpass the, the, you know, the all-time high this year. Um, and I think same with Ethereum. I think that uh, the downward pressure on Ethereum is caused by a lot of these, you know, scams that are out there and, you know, things like that. But I think, I think as, as the space gets smarter and more mature, uh, there, there won't be tolerance for that sort of thing. As well, I think that uh, regulation is coming in various forms, and you know we're open to regulation. We think that regulation exists to protect consumers, and it should be there. 
So, yep. Right. Tell, how, tell us about the sort of technical aspects of the coin that you offered. Did you, did you use one of the existing um, like protocols mm-hmm. or existing um, mm-hmm. standards? How, how, how did you, uh, how, how hard or easy was that and how did it look? Well, I mean, first, we, we use ERC-20, which is like the, on the Ethereum platform. So that part is easy. Um, <clears throat> the hard part was uh, the the token sale and, and the managing, uh, the building of the blockchain itself. Like we, we had to, we had to, from the grounds up, build an entirely new platform for a highly regulated business because no one's done this before. So things like, um, you know, in, in the typical <clears throat> ICO last year, you, you would have a generic Ethereum or a generic smart contract address that anybody anywhere in the world could send Ethereum to, and then that Ethereum would convert to tokens and send back to that that wallet. But you have no idea who they are, where they are, any of that stuff. It's completely anonymous. And you and I know that that's just not uh, doable, uh, you know, in, in, in any kind of um, developed uh, nation. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not right. I mean, especially in a business like ours where, you know, AML and KYC are sort of the foundation and responsible gaming and all of that stuff are sort of the foundation of what we do. So <clears throat> we had to build an entirely new token selling platform that had things like, um, you know, individual rec- um, verification, uh, full AML, full KYC, sanctions bouncing. We had a list of individuals as well as countries that needed to be bounced. Um, we had to, uh, we, we, we then had to, you know, do it off contract so it couldn't be done with a generic smart contract. And then, and then you know, on top of that, we created a... Um, a new uh, a, a blockchain uh, called Unicorn Wallet because when people bet, they, they, they want to bet, uh, you know, quickly, right? As, as they're, if they're watching a match and they want to place 10 bets, they want it to happen instantly and they don't want to pay the transaction fees. So we had to build an internal blockchain called Unicorn Wallet. So let's just say it wasn't easy, but it was totally worth it. <laughs> Does it, so I'm curious to know, one of the things that, so, I, so I, I've played a bit with Bitcoin and I played a bit with Ethereum, but I've never used either one of them for any kind of, um, you know, regular purchase transactions. They've almost always been like stores of value or a place where I, I stick some money and I hope it grows. It's a speculative thing. But um, so then uh, Joe and I have talked about this this game that they put out. Some guys made this game Crypto Kitties, which was like a, it was like a, for people who didn't see it in the news, it's like some kind of a trading card kind of a thing where you go online and you just look at these little kitties they're almost all exactly the same they're little graphics of cats and you can buy and sell them on this site and you buy them with real ethereum um and i thought it was interesting so i I thought i'd buy one just to see what happened and just to play with it um and i was blown away at how long it took for the transaction to go through um and, and it kind of one of the things just just you know playing with that that platform showed me that right now ethereum is maybe a little bit uh, the, the system maybe doesn't scale up to, you know, lots of transactions happening at once, and 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 realizing that like this thing got popular for a, for a brief period of a couple of days, and it it kind of crippled the system, and it showed me how weak it, in some ways the Ethereum blockchain can be, um, and it kind of it kind of caused well, me to question how do we, how do we solve that? Uh, is is your system like now that you're on a separate blockchain, does that help you process transactions faster because you're not um, it does. you're able to control it, it, that? Yeah, it's it's. First of all, that's more of a public blockchain issue, not Ethereum. Uh, you know, so when you talk about transactions on the blockchain, absolutely, it's going to be you know slow because it's public. Um, you know, on our platform, it's a private blockchain. Uh, people uh, they they take their Ethereum or their sorry their UKG Unicorn Gold off of the public blockchain. They deposit it onto their Unicorn Wallet, 
and um, and it, it all happens. Uh, you know, you can do you can do hundreds of bets per second. Like it, it's it's all it, it, and it can do it's infinitely fractional. So so essentially, people can bet as much as they want uh, very quickly. They can transact as much as they want very quickly. There's no gas fees. Um, it's the only way to go. So it's a combination of a decentralized and centralized approach to you know to doing commerce. Um, which, which, by the way, I, I don't believe, I, I think that, uh, you know, decentralization is kind of a myth. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's no way that anything can be fully decentralized. Um, you know, not even Ethereum is fully decentralized. So, you know, um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of important that people understand that. All right, well, let's talk so. about that for a second, for just a minute, a little bit of a divergence, maybe. But, like, wouldn't you say that Bitcoin is... is Decentralized the the Bitcoin blockchain, or do you disagree with that? Not as well? really, not not really, because because you still have you know you still have a consortium of people that that make changes and fork it and stuff like that, and you know so some do it for personal gain, and you know others do it for the good of the community, and uh, you know so uh, I I mean in some ways kind of, but but there's still like a few people that sort of control it, so I I don't know I, I don't view it as fully decentralized, not really. Right. Okay. Well, that's, a, yeah. that's an important point. I think um, you know, for for people who aren't familiar with the securities laws, <laughs> who are on, this, on, the, on the, listening in, I mean, one of the elements of a security is that there be a sort of a common uh, enterprise. Uh, and so, one curious question that comes up in these circumstances when you're trying to figure out if, if a token is a security or not is is whether there's a, yeah whether there's a centralized authority who's sort of managing something. Um, and you're, are you relying upon the efforts of a handful of people to improve something? Or, you know, um, and then you run into these kind of weird technological constructs where like, okay, well, um, you just have this, this, this code and a bunch of people have decided to run this, this code on their machines. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a way of collaborating that I think, um, it's, it's a form of mass collaboration that, we, that perhaps we haven't seen before. Right, right. Um, and 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 you know when it comes down to the, you know the, the Howey test. I, I I mean I, we fail the Howey test. You know just based on the usage of our, uh, of our token. But but with that said, you know we're talking about like hundred year old laws that are being applied to modern day technology, and I, I really think that needs to change. I mean I I think the SEC exists to protect consumers, and that's a good thing. I I do think the laws need to change, and they need to figure out how to do it. You know because there are some good operators out there who are who are trying to innovate and do good things um and i think it's it's important for for them to figure out how to do this properly so yeah yeah i think i don't know i I think the 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 point you made a few minutes ago about um infinitely fractionable or i think maybe that's not the exact words you used um but the site i mean public company stocks i mean you can buy and sell public company stocks as easy as you can buy and sell uh bitcoin or uh, you know, Ethereum, but um, it's, you know, a little less interesting if, um, in the sense that, well, the public market's open and shut, and so they're not open 24 hours a day, seven days a week like crypto is, right? And then also, there's, right. you can't fractional, you can't sell a fraction of a share of Nordstrom stock or uh, buy a fraction. I mean, everything has to be in, in, in round, you know, round, you know, one share or more, you know, round numbers. So it's just sort of interesting Correct. and different. And I'm not, I think the public market, the public company, you know, stocks have something to learn from, from the crypto, from the crypto world. And I'm not sure though, I'm not sure if there will ever be sort of a melding of the two and, the, and a lot of people predict there will be, but I'm not, I'm not certain, but it would be fun to see. Like, I, I think it, people would buy and sell a lot more public company stocks if they were fractionable. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think uh, I, I think that that makes sense. Um, you know, the interesting thing about tokens is, uh, um, you know, they they definitely are fractional, and and um, and they are. Uh, I, I think the future of tokens is there. There will be a security token, and there will be a security you know exchanges that are approved by you know the SEC and other security exchanges, and. Um, and 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 you know they'll qualify as an investment because you know, people will get things like voting rights and interest and you know dividends and that sort of thing that uh, you would normally expect from a from a decent investment. So um, and then of course you know on the other end of that is the transparency. Like there'll be a lot more transparency uh, from from the the companies you know that 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 do utility tokens. Oh, sorry, security tokens. And I. I, I, for one, believe that there is a roadmap for us to get there. Um, you know, for for Unicorn to get there. I mean, I, I would I would love to do it. I, you know, we have a we have a pretty incredible business, and you know, we're growing our company, and we, we would love to be able to get to that point where, you know, where we can tokenize our our next race. So yeah, that'd be that'd be a lot of that'd be a lot of fun. I, I think um, you know it's so. Let's talk a minute about um, sort of the what you think the sort of evolving state of the law in the U.S. is. And you've, you've, you've uh, got that really cool thing you're doing in, in Las Vegas right now. I know you've, you've been working with regulators in a variety of different places. Tell us what you kinda, how you think the, this is going to change in the next five to ten years. Oh, man, five to ten years is way too long. <laughs> like I'm talking in, in, in 18 months we're going to see, you know, sports betting legalized across multiple states in the U.S. within 18 months. Um, Unicorn will be the first esports company, uh, and and you know still the best uh, to offer the most comprehensive odds on esports anywhere. Um, and because we're an American company, you know, and we're a good operator, we we fully expect to be able to work with you know other um, American casinos to uh, to to enable it. Um, we have a great relationship with the MGM; uh, they're they're awesome. We have a great relationship with a number of the the big casinos uh, across the U.S. Um, so, so you know the, the future in in say five years for of entertainment, I, I could say, is is something like this. Um, I envision a uh, you you walking into a warehouse, and uh, and you you know you, you want to play a game of say a real life game of, of uh, Call of Duty. Uh, so so they give you a vest to wear. They give you a head head headbands. Uh, they have sensors on them and haptic feedback. They give you a weapon that has, you know, it's a fake weapon, obviously, and it has uh, haptic feedback and it feels real. Um, and then they give you a pair of augmented reality glasses that you wear so that you're now uh, in the map itself. And, and you run around and you, you do a five on five game with others. And then there's an area for people to spectate and watch. And uh, people are placing side bets on the action that's happening in the game. Um, and uh, that's kind of the future of entertainment. Like that's like that's future football right there. And um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think we're going to be on the on the bleeding edge of that. So, yeah, yeah that sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, I'd, I'd watch that. Um, so tell me in, in so it always surprised me. Uh, I, and maybe it's just the regulations and changing things in Vegas takes a long time. But, I, you know, card players come from all over the world to, to try their hand at, at poker in Vegas. You know, the, all the best players are there. They show up. You can play in tournaments that are kind of con- happening continuously. And I'd always uh, found I found it interesting that there weren't more, you know, video game tournaments like that where people would say, OK, well, I think I'm pretty good at this at this game and I'm in Vegas. I should play in a tournament just to see how I can hang against the best. 
Um, does that you mentioned that there's some tournaments happening now? Is that is that something that's coming to Vegas where people can show up and play their favorite game against other people more easily? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we do it. You know, we do it weekly now. I mean, last week we had a Tekken, you know, a Tekken uh, tournament where people like random people would come in. They pay something like twenty bucks to enter. Um, you know, they win prizes and um, and it was funny because you know I, I went to my first Tekken tournament. And I see these guys walk in with their own controllers. They've got these battle sticks that they pull out of their backpacks. It's, it's hilarious. So some of these guys are just hardcore. And they go, one of the guys who actually won uh, goes around the, you know, Southern California and Las Vegas area to play professionally to pay his rent. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. Are there any um, like, like uh, cheating issues that are involved when you allow, like how do you regulate the game if people can bring their own equipment or I mean how do you make sure it's a level playing field on those types of tournaments does everybody have the same exact machine or, or do the people bring their own yeah stuff yeah everybody has their same exact machine um, and you know when it comes to things like cheating and that sort of thing I mean we inspect you know the equipment when it comes in and um, you know it's uh, it, it's it's something that that we're we're, we're pretty um, careful about I think that <clears throat> what we what we really worry about is the online stuff. The online tournaments are a little bit different because they're harder to kind of, you know, they're they're harder mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, to to sort of uh, police. So you know, the the best way to spot a cheater is is through through betting action, especially in a in a tournament where we're putting odds on it. If a fifteen to one underdog starts to get major you know major action, then we're going to stop betting. We're going to notify the tournament provider. They're going to stop the tournament. They're going to do an investigation and let the team owners know that this is what's happening. So there's a process involved in this, just like traditional sports. And by the way, it doesn't happen often. It's very rare. It's you know, it only you know when it does happen in esports, the media makes a big deal out of it. Um, but it's it's no different than any other sport. I mean, you know, cheaters exist, and you know they'll they'll find new ways to cheat. Yeah. Just have to be savvy enough to catch them. So. Yeah, interesting. Well, it's an interesting the, uh, problem. It sounds like you got some <coughs> interesting problems you get to you get to grapple with. It's sort of the new, new and, and interesting things. It's uh, it yeah, sounds absolutely. exciting. <coughs> so, so if people are in Vegas, they should come by the MGM Grand and look for your look for your spot. Is it? It's on the main. Yeah, it's on the main floor. I take it off the main yeah. floor somewhere. Yeah, it's off the main floor. It's right right next to Hakkasan Nightclub. So you know, we we do this thing on Friday nights where. Um, Hakkasan is massive and there's like three queues for people to get into the nightclub and we're right next to the queue so we do this thing you know like Mario Kart under the influence kind of thing we let people play you know Mario Kart you know like it's like a drinking game that we do uh, and then on Saturday night it's actually like a real a real competitive tournament uh, but on Friday night it's more fun sort of like you know drunk Mario Kart driving or something like that. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's yeah. fine. So that's once. So so if you're in if you're in Las Vegas, go to the MGM Grand. Check out the Unicorn Studio there on Friday and Saturday nights, and uh, next to yeah. the next to the Hakkasan nightclub. Okay, that's fun. And then if people just want to get involved in this, like um, you know, say you're a PGA you know tour fan, and uh, and you realize it's an old game, and you know blah blah blah, you want to get involved in esports. What what do you think's the best way to enter this, Rahul? Like say you're not like you know, you didn't grow up a gamer. Like, you know, what's the best way to kind of venture into this? Um, well, the, the, the best way to get into this is to, you know, spend some time with your kids uh, who are most likely already into it and, and play some games with them. Um, I, I, that's what I did. When I was at Microsoft uh, Ventures, I was, 
um, I wouldn't say I was bored, but I was definitely, you know, looking at the next thing. And I, I just wanted to get out and, and get back into gaming. And my son uh, sort of convinced me to, to get into this. He, he, he got me to play League of Legends and, and really learn about the space. What was like, you know, get updated on the space. I mean, I'd been watching it, but I had no idea how big it was getting until I spent some time with him in it. And um, yeah, that's that's how I got oh, that's into funny. it. How old was he at that time? Uh, at that time, he was uh, fourteen. Wow, okay. Um, and he he he'd been telling me to quit my job for you know four <laughs> years. So I don't know. <laughs> that's great. Well, that's fascinating yeah. because actually, you know, it's funny. Like paying attention, the children seem to know that the kids, you know, the, seem to know uh, things that. The, you know, the parents just don't know. Um, they're just, they somehow intuit. Right. And Mike, you, your kids are um, the same way. I, we've talked about this on the show before. Kids seem to have an understanding of things that parents just, when it comes to technology and kind of what's, you know, what's going on, kids seem to know much more so than, than parents, it seems. It's fascinating. Like, I mean, no, they're definitely, yeah. definitely a hint as to what's to come. <clears throat> they know that, you know, they're not, they're not pre-wired for certain things. So they get to you know, adapt to whatever the new things are, and uh, and they kind of latch on to new things faster than old people. So, like, it's not not bad to watch very, what they do. Yeah, it's yeah, very true. Fast. Yep. Well, fun stuff. All right. Well, uh, Rahul, super appreciate you being on the show with us. Uh, for folks who want to learn more about Unicorn, go to unicorn.com, unikrn.com, and then uh, yeah. Any 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 other parting thoughts, Rahul or Mike? Um, well, you know, I I would just say if people want to get a hold of us. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in the Seattle area. Uh, we are a, a global company. Our, our main office is in, uh, is in Berlin. Uh, we have an office in Sydney. We have a big office in Las Vegas. If you're ever in the Las Vegas area and you want to come check us out, uh, let me know ahead of time. I might be there, and you know, there's probably an opportunity to do that. Um, and, uh, and, and then, you know, I'm also in the Seattle. I, I usually work from Seattle, so it's kind of, kind of a mixed bag. And they can also find me on Twitter at Rahul Sood. It's R-A-H-U-L-S-O-O-D. Um, but, yeah, no, that's, uh, I, th- I think that pretty much sums it up. I think we're in, a, we're in a pretty interesting business. Unicorn is sort of on the bleeding edge of two of the fastest-growing industries ever, you know, esports and, uh, and cryptocurrency. It's crazy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, a, it's, it's fun to go to yeah, work sometimes. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing, yeah. <laughs> no, and you can, yeah, that's, you can yeah. thank your son, you know, for helping you out. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, exactly. That's, yep. that's awesome. Well, thanks, thanks for taking the time to be on the show, and thanks, everyone else, for listening. We'll see you all next week.